Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing Blackbeard and Steed Bonnet from Our Flag Means Death. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. exciting one it's a little bit different than well if we even have a usual anymore but yeah <laughs> it's, it's, i think uh, not to spoil anything we're gonna come to a little bit of a different conclusion in our end question <laughs> yes exactly but we should begin by saying for anyone who doesn't know what is the show and who are these guys you probably have heard of blackbeard even if you haven't heard of the show he's a very famous pirate He's a very famous pirate. But yeah, these two are are pirates during the golden age of piracy, which was the early 18th century. Mm -hmm. It's when pirates ruled the seas around the Caribbean. This is also, not that this is what's happening in the show, sort of the end of the golden age of piracy. It's true. I don't know if we'll lead up to that or not in the show, but things are about to start to go poorly for pirates. Yes. So at this time, only season one of Our Flag Means Death has come out. So that is what we Mm -hmm. have watched and we have both seen. All of it. All 10 episodes. It was a real struggle. We usually do Why Do People Ship Them? Talking about the beats of the relationship in the show. So let's go ahead and do a little bit of that. Yeah. So I guess, right, the setup for Our Flag Means Death is there is a a guy, a a wealthy landed gentry type, who Mm -hmm. decides he wants something different out of life. And so he commissions a ship and becomes a pirate. And that is Steed Bonnet, (laughs) the gentleman pirate. The gentleman pirate. He's a real guy, shockingly. So we begin our show with him in charge of a, a band of pirates that he has somehow hired for his ship. But he is a very unconventional pirate. In this version of him for the show, they spend a lot of time just sort of hanging out on the ship, not doing a lot of actual piracy. The times yeah. when they do go and, and you know, approach a ship to steal their goods which is the heart of being a pirate i think the one time we see it is is they approach a tiny not even with a sail a rowboat a fishing <laughs> a rowboat fishing a rowboat. fishing rowboat they board with these two poor old people on board and they steal a little potted plant yes from their ship so that's sort of the level of piracy we're seeing from these guys all right But basically for the ship, Blackbeard, who is a famous ruthless pirate, your sort of more Mm -hmm. traditional pirate, has heard of Steed Bonnet, the gentleman pirate, and is intrigued. And so he begins to make overtures to try to meet Steed. Yes. And through a a series of sort of miscommunication, accidental stuff, Steed does not realize that it is Blackbeard who is asking to meet him because he has only encountered this guy, Izzy Hands, who is Blackbeard's right-hand man. But he doesn't like him. And Izzy is asking if he wants to come meet his boss, but he does never say that it's Blackbeard. And so Steed is just sort of like, no, screw you, go away. <laughs> no, thank and you. that makes Blackbeard even more interested yeah. because nobody says no to a meeting with Blackbeard. And so again, through a series of events that we're not going to get into, Steed is captured by the Spanish and Blackbeard comes and rescues him in gallant fashion. <laughs> Totally. It's pretty exciting. And he approaches Steed and is like the gentleman pirate, I presume. And Steed is like, you have heard of me? (laughs) That's cute. It's about where they are. During their capture by the Spanish, Steed has been stabbed through the gut. And so when we come back to them, I think it's in the next episode, Ed is Mm -hmm. watching over him as he recovers. And he is very impressed by all the stuff that Steed has. Because Steed has a lot of cool stuff on his ship. Yeah, Steed is a very unconventional pirate because on his ship he is built just like the most luxurious captain's quarters you've ever seen, which includes bookshelves and bookshelves full of books, which is a crazy thing to have on a ship, and also a secret closet for his auxiliary wardrobe, which is just the stuff from like out of season that he's not wearing right now. His summer linens when it's wintertime. And of course, he also has a fireplace, which is a deeply dangerous thing to have 
on a boat. Fascinating. But basically, Blackbeard, as we said, is intrigued by Steve's whole thing. He's gotten kind of bored with the day-to-day of being a cutthroat pilot, right? Like, he shows up, and everyone's already so afraid of him. It's not even fun anymore. He doesn't here's, even have to threaten anyone. I know. And here's this other pirate doing this completely different thing. And we do get some of Blackbeard's backstory where we learn that his father's like, you'll never amount to anything. Wealthy stuff isn't for us. And he's, you know, like, well, what about all these silks? Can I have silks? Am I worthy of silks, Steve? Oh, Steve thinks everyone is worthy of silks. Yes. He's <laughs> very sweet. He's a sweet guy. So, you know, he, they basically through this process of them getting to know each other and finding out about each other, they decide it could be cool if they could sort of do an exchange of ideas and Blackbeard could learn how to be a fancy gentleman from Steed and Steed could learn how to be a threatening pirate from Blackbeard. And they just are very intrigued by each other because they are so different. Yes. So this is sort of the setup for the premise of the rest of the season of the show. The first test of this really is in the course of actually doing some piracy under Blackbeard's command, they come across a invite for a fancy person's party on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fascinating. A party. A yacht party, basically. And Steed is like, ah, oh, that sounds boring. Nobody wants to go hang out with a bunch of rich people. But Blackbeard is like, you know, this could be an interesting test. Mm-hmm. We should probably go try this out. And so Steed, you know, coaches him up, teaches him about the various types of silverware he's probably going to have to use and the different ways of interacting with rich people and how they use passive aggression to interact with each other. And so they go on this ship, and at first, Ed is having a great time. People are really interested in him because he's sort of new and different, and he says stuff about how he's killed men before, (laughs) and they find that fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. But then, as things do, they turn on him as soon as he doesn't fit in. He gets his silverware mixed up, and so... Yep. And so they end up being real mean to him. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't take it well because he's not used to people being mean to him in words. (laughs) And so he wants to go back and kill them. But Steed is like, you know what? Let me take care of this. Mm -hmm. And using his skills as a fancy gentleman, he goes in and passive aggressively humiliates all of them in front of each other and really wins the day. And Ed could not be more impressed (laughs) with what Steed has done. Ed had rescued Steed from the Spanish and now Steed has rescued Ed. And so then after that happens, going back to their ship, the Revenge. Mm-hmm. And they have a lovely moment where Steed does tell Ed that a piece of silk looks good on him. Yeah, he tells him that it suits him, which he has never heard anyone say before, because he mostly has just lived his life as this, like, I'm an undeserving, lowly guy. I can't be classy. And Steed is like, yes, you can. Yeah, which is quite sweet. Then in another episode, we get some more backstory about Blackbeard and how he has ended up on his path to piracy. We're seeing flashbacks with his father, who was clearly abusive, and his mother, who also was just sort of struggling through it at the Mm -hmm. time. He tells a story about a kraken killing his father as a scary story, because they all like to tell scary stories to each other. And then by the end of the episode, it is revealed that there was no kraken. Surprise, surprise. And he had to kill his own father as a child. He says... I'm the Kraken. It was me. Yeah. He has a whole breakdown moment where he's run to a bathtub and he's having this freak out moment about how he's not a good person. And part of this is because he had been telling Izzy Hands, his right hand man, that he the only they were only on the ship because he was trying to trick Steed and kill him and take his identity and blah, blah, blah. And then when, of course, it comes down to it, he is unable to kill Steed and take his identity. And he so he has this breakdown and confesses everything and tells him he's not a good person and he, he was the kraken and he this is why he doesn't have any friends and steed is like I'm, i'll be your friend yeah. <laughs> and so they have this lovely bonding moment with a very emotional and vulnerable black beard it's very sweet I guess in the next episode, they go on a treasure hunt. Blackbeard is maybe about to leave. Izzy's pressuring him. He's like, maybe it's time to go. And Steve doesn't want him to leave because now they're friends. And so he devises something that he hopes will keep Blackbeard's attention, which is they stop at an island, also partially because they need citrus fruit because someone has scurvy. One of them has scurvy. (laughs) Pretty bad scurvy. And he buys a treasure map and he harangues Blackbeard. And another member of the crew, Lucius, to come search for this treasure with him, even though they're both like, treasure maps are never real. Seriously. 
But they're going along. Blackbeard is dragging his feet. Eventually, do they kill a snake? Is that what they end up killing and eating? Yeah, snake comes upon them and Blackbeard has to kill the snake and then they're sitting there eating it. Yes. And Blackbeard gets a little bit of snake in his beard and, and Steed pulls it out. And Lucius has an epiphany. They're like, Something is happening between these two. He says, oh my God, this is happening as he's watching them flirt with each other. Lucius really clues in to what's going on Mm -hmm. in that moment. And he pulls Blackbeard aside and he's like, this man really likes you. Steed really likes you. Do not break his heart. And Blackbeard is Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. And so then he more enthusiastically goes on the treasure hunt with Steed and I guess decides to stay on the ship as well. Yeah. Lucius doesn't just tell him he really likes you, don't break his heart. He also tells him he really likes you and you really like him. So get your head out of your ass or you're going to end up alone is part of his message too. So I think that's a moment for Ed where he has this turning point and sort of changes his act. But then, of course, they are immediately in the next episode threatened by the presence of someone from Blackbeard's past. Yes, Calico Jack shows up out of nowhere, seemingly, on a, another mm-hmm. little rowboat just out to sea. And basically, like, he is Blackbeard's friend from when they were in college in a frat together. Like, that's the dynamic. Yes. <laughs> and so Blackbeard sort of reverts in his behavior to be way more broy and awful. And eventually, Steed has a conversation with Blackbeard where he's like, It's not that I hate Calico Jack or or don't like him. It's, I don't like who you are when you're with him. And Blackbeard is like, oh. Blackbeard says, but this is who I am. This is me. <laughs> and it's a real, it's like, it's not hard a moment for him. So what's also been happening in the background of the show is Steed accidentally killed a British officer and then his twin brother found out about it. And now his twin brother is coming after him and he actually sent Calico Jack ahead to kind of break up Blackbeard and Steve. Alongside Izzy Hands, who also has been kicked off the ship at this point and wants to try to get Blackbeard back because he doesn't like the influence that Steed is having on him. Ironically, he doesn't like who Ed is with Steed. Yes. (laughs) And so Calico Jack reveals this to Blackbeard after Blackbeard has decided to stay back with him as Steed and the rest of the crew leaves. And he expects Blackbeard to be like, oh, okay, yeah, who cares if the British get, get Steed? And the British are arriving and he ends up jumping off the boat with Calico Jack and swimming to the revenge and telling Steed, you have to surrender in order to save his life. So Blackbeard, not living up to his reputation of being this horrible cutthroat is like, No, the most important thing is that you live, put up the white flag. Yeah. And then that episode ends with they've been boarded by the British. Everyone has been arrested. They're in handcuffs. And the final shot is Steed and Ed both face down on the deck of the ship facing each other. And Steed says, you came back. And Blackbeard says, never left. And he winks at him. And then the camera zooms out on them. It's quite sweet. I also love when he makes the decision to abandon Calico Jack and go back to Steed. And he goes, fuck you, Jack. He's my friend. And Calico Jack says, what do you mean he's your friend? What kind of pirate has a friend? We're all just in various stages of fucking each other over. (laughs) So they're arrested by the British and Steed is going to be put to death for murdering the, the British officer. But recently, the British king passed the Act of Grace, where mm-hmm. if a pirate agrees to serve in the British Navy, I forget for how long, for a certain amount of time, they will be pardoned. I think it's 10 years. 10 years. They will be pardoned of all their pirate crimes. And so this is something that a Blackbeard invokes. At first, apparently it does not apply to Steed because he's not a real pirate, but then his crew comes in and proves that he's a real pirate because they love him now too. And so both Ed and Steed are shipped off to join the British Navy. Yeah, what's crazy is that Ed also has to agree to do this in order to save Steed. It's sort of like a package deal, which is shocking to all of the rest of his crew. Especially Izzy Hands. Yep. What was really funny to me is when Blackbeard is agreeing to go, Izzy says to him, do you really want to lick the king's boots? And earlier in the episode... The reason this is happening is that Izzy has been cooperating with the British crown and they get on the ship and the British people are like, you know, thanks to Izzy Hands for his act of service to the crown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Izzy. So they are taken into the British Navy. Ed, who has a glorious, obviously blackish beard, has to shave his beard, which is a real 
shock to Steed and the audience, honestly. Yes. But Steed goes, ah, what have they done with your face? (laughs) And he sees it. And so shockingly, like, Blackbeard is not as upset about being taken into the army as you might expect. But they end up having a conversation on a beach together where he's like, you know, we only have this one life to live. And I just I want to be with you, Steed, whatever that ends up. Well, he says, I I just want to do what makes Ed happy. And Steed says, what makes Ed happy? And he says, these past few weeks have been the most fun I've had in ages, years, maybe ever. So I reckon what makes Ed happy is you. And then Steed doesn't know how to handle that. So Ed just kisses him. And then Steed says, you make Steed happy. It's sweet. It's very sweet. (laughs) So they decide to run away together. And Blackbeard comes up with this whole scheme. And he's like, okay, I've gotten a boat. Meet me on the beach in the evening. We'll go together, get back to the revenge and just be together. And so that's all going to happen until Steed is kidnapped by the the brother of the guy he accidentally murdered mm-hmm. and then accidentally shoots himself and dies. They've got bad luck, those guys. <laughs> they do. And Steed is so traumatized by this that instead of joining Blackbeard down on the beach, he decides to go back to his family home and he leaves Blackbeard. I think... This is a really interesting episode for their characterization mm-hmm. because it doesn't come out of nowhere that he goes back to his family. All episode, he's been having sort of these flashbacks about, well, really throughout the show. Sure. But he's having this reckoning about whether or not he's a good person because of what happened with the accidental dead guy. And so he's been having all these flashbacks to his family who he abandoned. And he's realizing that he has this unfinished business. And he also, I think it's a cool episode because we find them at such different parts of their life steed had a midlife crisis abandoned his life ran off to be a pirate hasn't really even had a chance to live the life of adventure he was hoping for right because Mm -hmm. his life of adventure just started when blackbeard walked into it two weeks ago or however long this has taken meanwhile blackbeard became a pirate when he was young because he really had no other choice we've seen what a horrible backstory he has and so he's done it all he's lived the life of a pirate He's ready to not do that anymore. He knows how horrible it is. It's left him feeling terrible as a person. That's why he at first is like, maybe we'll just go into the army and it'll be fine and we won't be pirates. And then as soon as he realizes Steed is interested in him too, he's like, no, we could run away and start new lives together in China. And Steed is not ready for that because he just feels like there's unfinished business. Yes. So they do sort of seed in as it's going on that he's not 100% on board with running away to start a new life. Yes. At the end of the episode, he's not gone to join Ed and Ed is distressed by this. It's so sad. There's a scene of Ed on the dock waiting for Steed to show up and it just like it cuts, you know, through time so you can see he's there a long time and it just gets sadder and really sadder. Does. And so the episode ends with Steed going back to his family home and Ed going back to the revenge and just being the most depressed as he gets back. Mm-hmm. But in a shocking turn of events, it turns out Steed's family was totally fine that he was gone. They were way better off without him. He gets home and his wife is like, oh, no, she's blossomed as a painter and she's now dating her painting instructor and just having a great time. She's made all these widow friends who are all also super happy. Their husbands are dead. Yeah, they meet to talk about how much they love having dead husbands. (laughs) It's fantastic. So maybe we should talk about what happens with Steve first and then talk about what happens with Ed and then really the end. And so it does take a little while for Steve to, like, get the clue that his family would prefer if he was not there. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a little while for him to to get the hint. But eventually he does. And he realizes that his wife is in love with this painting instructor. And he has a very interesting conversation with her about how she feels about this painting instructor. Yes. So he knows that she is in love with this painting instructor and he asked her how does it feel to be in love and she says it feels easy it's just like breathing he understands my idiosyncrasies finds them charming even we expose each other to new things new ideas we laugh a lot we just pass the time so well i'd call those things love i hope you find that and of course you're seeing a montage over her saying this of ed and steed doing all of those things and steed says i think i have and she says really what's her name ed His name is Ed. And then she hugs him. She does hug him. It's so sweet and nice. 
So Steed decides to fake his own death so he can go back to Ed and he does it in a wonderfully elaborate way. But meanwhile, what's been happening with Ed on the ship? Ed is really going through it in what I think is both the funniest scene and one of the most poignant scenes of the show. Lucius who is the record keeper slash emotional consultant, basically, yes, of the we, ship. Who we mentioned earlier is the one who first points out to Ed, like, this is happening. So Yes. So Ed is wallowing a bit, and he calls for Lucius's aid, because <laughs> he's the scribe of the ship. And so when Lucius finds him, he is in a blanket fort, <laughs> wallowing in a blanket fort, and he's called on Lucius because he's been writing some song lyrics that he wants Lucius to take down for him. And they are the best possible angsty song lyrics. The song that he's written, the lyrics are hanging on by a thread, hanging on, shouldn't let go. If I let go, all will fall. Fingers bleeding down to the bone now. Can't let go. Nothing makes sense. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> and he says this all to Lucius, and then he's like, You hate it, don't you? And Lucius is like, Hate is such a strong word. I'm wondering what's happening in the song. Why are you hanging on? And Ed says, It's not about me, it's about someone else holding on, someone entirely fictional. <laughs> and Lucius says, And this fictional character, he's having a hard time. And Ed's face like crumbles. And he says, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, Lucius has to give him some advice. It turns so, so sad. Poor little Ed. So he's really trying to figure out what to do here because the influence of Steed on everyone in his life is that we should all be more emotionally vulnerable, right? Share our feelings, talk to each other about stuff. We'll all be yeah. happier for it. And so Ed has definitely made some strides down that path. So he's writing songs and eventually he's performing these sad songs for the rest of the crew. And the crew is, he's like, we should do a talent show. Yeah. <laughs> All the crew is on board. Meanwhile, Izzy is really upset about this turn of events. Izzy has this conception of what Blackbeard is, what he does, his whole aura. And that's the guy that he wants to follow. And this is not anyone mm -hmm. that he recognizes as Blackbeard. So he keeps yelling at him to get his shit together and be the be Blackbeard of old. Yeah. Right. And so Ed is trying to figure out what to do. Eventually, he comes to the conclusion that it just hurts too much, right, to be emotionally vulnerable like this. It's not doing him any good. He decides, I got to go back to be the cutthroat, ruthless, no emotions Blackbeard. Unfortunately, the moment that he decides that, poor little Lucius comes upon him <laughs> to talk about the talent show. And Blackbeard throws him overboard because he's seen too much, you know? We are left to wonder if Lucius has died, but there's no way Lucius has died, if we're being honest. And so then everything turns. He's like, Izzy, we're back on the, the old Blackbeard MO. Mm -hmm. They maroon half the crew on an island. He cuts off Izzy's toes. <laughs> He cuts off Izzy's toe and makes him eat it, which Izzy loves. Yep. <laughs> Izzy's like, the old Blackbeard is back, baby. And so, yeah, they maroon half the crew. They keep the ones that they think are valuable. Clearly, he thinks he's killed Lucius. And he's sort of just like, we're going back to being pirates again. And they destroy all of Steed's stuff, which is still on the ship. Yeah, so they throw away all of his books and his beautiful clothes and stuff. He's getting rid of every trace of Steed imaginable. Then this is right when Steed has had his revelation, decided to come back to his ship, presumably to make things right with Blackbeard. Steed comes upon his marooned crew, which is good at the very end of the yes. show. They, there's a little wave to them. And then we also see that despite all of it, Blackbeard is in his room alone at the end. He's in Steed's empty room that he's, he's emptied in Steed's out. empty room. But he still has this lighthouse painting that was very important to Steed. And he's just crying, just crying alone in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so sad. How are these two crazy kids going to work it out? We'll find out in season two. But this is yep. how season one ends. So, I mean, spoilers galore there. But also, clearly, it is a canonical relationship within the show. What's interesting about Our Flag Means Death, other than this alone, which is Mm -hmm. interesting is it is yep. not the only queer element of the show no there's actually a fair bit of really interesting representation going on in this show ways that we also won't talk about there's a lot of 
interesting diversity within the show mm-hmm. in all sorts of respects. But for the purposes of this, we've talked about Lucius, obviously. Yes. But there's another character in this show called Black Pete, a much more traditional pirate, really into sort of violence. And he tells everybody that he used to work for Blackbeard before they ever meet Blackbeard, even though no one believes that it's true. And he and Lucius have this lovely relationship over the course of the show. An unexpected pairing, I think not exactly who you would imagine Mm -hmm. for your set of queer pirates but they have a whole arc at first you see them hooking up with each other and it's not clear if there's anything sort of emotional going on and then over the course of the show something happens where lucius is in danger and afterwards black peak comes up to to say i i was worried i was gonna lose you and like they have this moment of of sharing their feelings with each other it's quite sweet and so that's a, an interesting subplot of a relationship. But also what's interesting about that subplot, and I guess is we're going to talk about generally also, is they're not like secretly in a relationship on the ship. No. Izzy Hands finds out that they've been hooking up and is like, I'm going to tell everyone. And Lucius is like, everyone knows. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I don't know what you're threatening me with. And then later on... Lucius, to get out of doing some work, has offered to draw nude one of the other <laughs> pirates from Izzy's group. And Izzy finds out about that and then is threatening that he will tell Black Pete that Lucius has done this. And Lucius again immediately is like, every, like Black yeah. Pete, I drew What's-His-Face's dick. And Black Pete's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone knows everything is Not chill. a problem. There's not any jealousy going on. Yeah. Something that is kept a secret, though, for a little while on the ship is the true identity of Jim. Mm, Jim, what a mysterious figure. Yeah, so at the beginning of the show, there is this mute pirate who is a member of Steed's crew named Jim. But it turns out Jim is not a man, I guess we can say. Jim, born Bonifacia. Yes. Is on the run because they killed another character's husband. (laughs) Spanish Jackie. Yeah, a complete Spanish Jackie who we haven't even mentioned, but that's a whole other plot going on. But it's revealed, I guess when they get captured by the Spanish, right, they start to take off Jim's prosthetics. And initially they think that they're ripping off their nose and everyone's freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's horrible. already found out because Jim went swimming without their prosthetics. But then, yeah, when the ship finds out, it's because the Spanish. Spanish are tearing off Jim's nose. Yeah. And of course, revealed not a man. And so they go through this whole process of being like, wait, what do we call you? Who are you? Should you be on the ship? Because women are bad luck on the ship. But they move forward with Jim continuing to be Jim and they use they, them pronouns. And that's sort of. Yep. Without any discussion. The discussion is sort of, we didn't know you were a woman. Women shouldn't be on the ship. And, And Jim's point of view is just, how about this to make it simple? I've been Jim all along. I will just continue being Jim. (laughs) And they're all like, okay, great. And everybody just moves forward with that throughout the course of the show, which is interesting. And Jim is played by a non-binary actor. I believe so. So we've got that happening as well. And Mm -hmm. then the final sort of queer element is what's going on with Blackbeard's other compatriots. So we mentioned Calico Jack, who is his frat friend from before. And he has an exchange with Steed where he's like, we all bugger each other. What are you talking about? Like, who cares? Well, because there's this tension between Steed and Calico Jack about who has the, you know, sort of rightful claim to Blackbeard. Because he is different with each of them. They have different history with him and they are threatened by each other. And so then, yeah, there is this interesting scene where sort of as a way of threatening Steed, because he knows that Steed clearly has feelings for, for Blackbeard. Yes. Although Calico this is before Jack. they've admitted their feelings to each other and kiss. Sure. But but I think everyone yeah. can sort of read the vibes of the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so Calico Jack, to to get in his head, is like, what, you, you're in love with Blackbeard or whatever? And Steed is like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And Calico Jack's like, no, nah, there's no shame in it. God knows Blackie and I have had our dalliances. Ooh, sorry, did I hit a nerve? Because Steed is like, wait, what? Like, Blackbeard's been hooking up with you? <laughs> so that is interesting, and it's just treated as, like, a totally normal thing. It's part Not of at all life, weird man. that that would have happened. Yeah. And then the last person is Izzy. And while it's unclear if there's anything super sexual happening, he's clearly in love with Blackbeard. I mean, there's something going on with Izzy 
he's obsessed with Blackbeard and very possessive over him and really emotionally invested in his approval and all sorts of stuff. There's something going on with Izzy. I think a lot of people read that as him being in love with Blackbeard in in whatever way, including I think the actor who plays Izzy (laughs) who has had conversations with people on Twitter to that effect before. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting casual queerness running through the whole show. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I think the last thing we want to touch on, and this sort of relates to Izzy as well, because like you said earlier, you know, Izzy's very invested in this image of Blackbeard, which is a sort of more traditionally masculine Blackbeard. Mm -hmm. But one thing that the show does overall is sort of undercut toxic or traditional masculinity at every, every turn possible. Yeah, whenever you could make a choice that is leaning towards toxic masculinity, they do the opposite. Yes. And that is a lot through the character of Steed, who, again, is this person like, let's talk about our feelings. Oh, yeah, who cares if I dress fancy? It's all good. But one of my favorite scenes to this end is early in the show when the pirates are getting restless about not doing pirate things. They complain about how they don't even have a flag. And so Steed decides it'll be a fun activity for the whole crew for them each to design and sew their own flags. Yeah. And then they'll vote on which one's the best and that'll be the new flag. And there's this scene where I think it's Black Pete probably who's complaining about how sewing is women's work. Oh, we shouldn't be doing this, which is very, very funny because that is a commentary on today because pirates all would have sewn. Every pirate would have sewn. There's someone on that ship whose sole job it is probably to take care of the sails. He's sewing all the time. Anybody who got a hole in their clothes would need to know how to sew it because there aren't any women around, right? You can't just be like, well, women are the ones who do the sewing when you also don't want any women on the ship because they're bad luck. Yeah. Sewing, knitting, weaving, all that stuff being women's work is a industrialization thing forward, not a... Mm -hmm. Uh, early 18th century thing. And so that's just a fun little example of the show being like, no, we can sew. It's fine. And they all design wonderful flags, particularly the cat flag. beautiful. I love the cat flag, Frenchie's cat flag. But yeah, they all do a great job Mm -hmm. with their sewing. And so, yeah, it's an interesting thing because that is a signal to modern audiences. That's not like a a real thing of the day. That's them being like, we're here to challenge your views on what men are and aren't allowed to do. And then they just sort of do that All the time throughout the show in various interesting ways. But I love Steed. I love Steed and his insistence on talking it out. (laughs) There are many times in the show where he'll say to them, like, what do we do in situations like this? So that they'll all pair it back to him. Talk it through. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It is. Okay. So obviously we've laid it out. It's a queer relationship, right? They mm-hmm. they kiss. They want to be together. They're going to run away together to start a life in China in the show. You would think no one could watch this and deny that it was queer. And I don't think we have any examples of that happening, but God, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. We might get back to that conversation at some point in the future. But what we're not here to talk about, as is clear from all of this, is is this a like queer baiting or queer canon or whatever because it's there it's queer canon it's in the text so we do want to talk about what the creators have said about this as we always do Mm -hmm. but i think it will take us in a little bit of a different direction than we are used to so at first we want to talk about some quotes from david jenkins who is the head writer of the show the creator Taika Waititi, who is also an EP, plays Blackbeard, but has directed episodes and is a creative force behind this. And Reese Darby, who plays Steve Bonnet, who also is clearly creatively involved. And things that they have said about sort of just the joy of making a show about gay pirates is how I would (laughs) phrase this first section. So the first quote we have is from David Jenkins. And I think he kind of lays it all out. He says, to me, Steed and Blackbeard's relationship is the reason to make the show. When Tyke and I were first talking about it, he was like, oh, yeah, that's the show. I first started reading about Steed and how he befriended Blackbeard. And we don't know why. Very quickly, it was like, oh, it's a romance. Yes. And this is an interview that is both David and Taika being interviewed. And so Taika does agree. Yes, it was clear that it was a romance. But he in this interview jokes that Jenkins actually wanted to do it for a different reason. He says, David just wants to piss off homophobic historians. He just wants to hear them go, that never happened. (laughs) Which I'll agree is a fun thing to do. Yeah. 
And so I guess, like, I don't know if it's clear from the quote, but apparently, like, what we have in the historical record is Steed and Blackbeard just decided to sail together for some period of time, and it's deeply unclear. Yeah. Why they It's would unclear why this happened, especially given what a strangely unconventional pirate the gentleman pirate <laughs> right. was. And usually pirates didn't, like, co-captain sail together. So mm-hmm. what could be the possible explanation? What are the, the things that could have happened? <laughs> Who knows? We'll never know for real, but I certainly think this is a plausible explanation. The next quote we have from Taika Waititi is, I'm very proud of this romantic comedy we made. Very proud. It's not bromantic. It is romantic. I appreciate that he is in the fight to try to retire the word bromantic. Yes. If I never have to hear anyone call something bromantic again, that will it will be too soon. So yeah, Taika's definitely getting in on the, the fun of this. And our last quote from him about this specifically is, uh, he said, I like to go on social media and see all the fan art and see all this sort of incredible soft gay porn that's been created around our characters and stuff. And I just really get off on it. (laughs) And so this is an interesting one because there's been a ton of fan creation of art Mm -hmm. in particular around the ship, which I think even people not in the fandom it was hard to avoid on Twitter around the times when people were lobbying for this show to get picked up for a second season, which we will return to later. But it's fun to see the creators really loving the, the fan appreciation and input around the show. And then we also just saw some general quotes from Taika and and Reese Darby talking about the characterization of their characters and, you know, explaining their motivations and how they came together. And it's all, it's all very lovely. It's really they they love these characters. They love this relationship. There was a lot of interesting thought that went into how to make their romantic relationship work and be interesting and what their motives are. And I think David Jenkins even said he'd never written a romance before this. (laughs) So this is a fascinating first one to do. But just sort of like why they fit so well together, why they're interested in each other, all of those. Mm -hmm. You can get plenty of quotes about them talking about that. But we don't need proof that it's a romance that's not that's usually what we're doing here but that's not what we're doing today i think there is a very interesting other conversation happening with david jenkins in particular about queer representation in media he's had to talk about this a lot because of the specific response to this show so let's just start with some interesting quotes from him about that i think this one he says the main thing to me was to sidestep coming out I just want a romance. I want a titanic romance between these two people. We don't have to do the coming out story and then the non-binary story for Jim. We don't have to do the I am whatever, the pronouns, however they would do that. I thought it was just really good to skip it because we've seen it. These stories often become about the struggle of breaking through, which I think are really valid, but I've seen it a lot. And I think that's a conversation you and I have had on this podcast before Mm -hmm. about how often queer stories are coming out stories. And he's right. We have seen that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So it is kind of pleasant to watch a show where there are all these queer characters and they're just sort of there with no explanation. They are. They They don't have to be justified or, you know, we're not we don't need any reasoning, especially, especially in historical things it's very hard for people to avoid the trap of like, we need to explain why there would be queer people in the 1700s. And it's like, you don't have to explain that. There were queer people in the 1700s. I promise you there were. (laughs) I hate to bring this to you. There's always been queer people. Exactly. So I think that is like nice to hear Mm -hmm. healthy difference from a lot of our showrunners. But where we get to the nexus of David Jenkins and our show in particular is with the upcoming quotes. Yeah. And so I think what is also interesting, so that was their, you know, what we just said was their approach to the show. But it seems like David Jenkins did not fully understand prior to making the show what queer baiting was or how frequently it occurred or what impact it would have on people. Mm-hmm. So he said, um, there were, and then there were people being very afraid that we're not going to do it, which is fair. I didn't realize how deep that ran until honestly this week. After you watch the fifth episode, it's very clear they're almost going to kiss. And people either don't believe we're playing it or don't engage with it when they're writing about the show. I didn't expect that. I thought it was quite explicit that they had feelings for each other. People are picking up on it, but they don't actually believe that we're going there. And then Taika Waititi adds on, you've just got to smash people over the head with it, I guess. Mm -hmm. So... The response, yeah, it was clearly a surprise to them. I think if you're not 
in fandom spaces, particularly queer fandom spaces, obviously this isn't something you're as literate in. And if you have come across it, I feel like people, especially in David Jenkins' position, Mm -hmm. will likely have come across it from the point of view of other writers, people in the industry, whom their perspective might be queer baiting is this thing that people complain about unreasonably and the fans jump down your throat because of blah, 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 when you didn't actually do anything wrong. Like that, that probably is the sort of narrative he would have been hearing about queer baiting before this. And so then to be met with People, you're clearly writing a romance. You're telegraphing romance. Yeah. That that scene with the with the silk thing. Ed leans in as if to kiss Steed, and then they have this awkward okay, good night, and he like punches him on the arm. Your classic <laughs> rom com moment where two characters almost kiss and then don't. Yes, and so I think in his mind, as you're writing this, that's the moment. If you didn't know before, that's the moment where you should be like, oh, these two are in love. They're mm-hmm. going to get together, and people sort of not wanting to get their hopes up, either not noticing it at all, which I guess is part of his thing where he says people would write about it and not even talk about that subtext of it. Yeah. Or people who are like, I don't want to get too excited about this because it never I've been burned before. <laughs> exactly. It never happens. That was a real surprise to him. And then we have this very interesting quote from him about it where he says, I think I didn't realize because I see myself represented on camera and I see myself falling in love in stories, I didn't realize how deep the queer baiting thing goes. Being made to feel stupid by stories, I guess. And his interviewer asked, how do you mean? And he says, as we were breaking the season and looking at how it would go, part of me knew that, yes, Steed and Ed's romance was going to be real. But one part of me felt like, we're going to do this story and they're going to kiss and maybe that's not even going to be that big of a deal. Maybe it'll just be a blip. But then looking at how people were kind of afraid to let themselves believe that we were doing that was a surprise to me. And it's heartbreaking. I understand it much better now. And it's like, oh, you were made to feel stupid by a bunch of shows. Unintentionally, by and large, I think. But made to feel like, maybe I'm going to be up there. Maybe that'll be me in this story. And then at the end of it, feeling like, oh, no, it's not me. I'm not in this one. That fucks with you at any age, I think, but especially when you're young and impressionable. I know it would make me feel that I didn't belong, and I think that's part of where the response to the show comes from. So he's really, like, gone on a journey (laughs) over the course of making this show. It's fascinating. I feel like it's very sort of like he's having a human response to this. He's putting himself in the shoes of all the people that have responded. And Um, it's it's very sympathetic, because I think as we've seen – throughout the course of doing this podcast, right? A lot of times writers are very dismissive of people being emotionally invested in seeing themselves on screen. But I I like that phrase, like they were made to feel stupid by stories, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and even I think if you're not necessarily looking for a presentation, it's frustrating to see a story and see plot points put in that are clearly indicating the story is going in one direction and then being told you're stupid for thinking this is what this indicated when it's like sometimes explicitly by showrunners being told you guys I don't know what the fuck you're talking about you guys are crazy for saying this when you're watching it I I can see it with my own two eyes that this is what's happening so yeah you're right that phrase made to feel stupid by stories is really interesting because that also is something I feel like gets dismissed like even if that were the case i think a lot of people are like it's just a story like who cares if you were wrong about it or if blah blah blah. like how can you be made to feel stupid by a story and even if you were even if you were who cares Mm -hmm. it's just a story and i think stories are very meaningful to people (laughs) stories are how we as humans interact with the world and with each other and so it's really cool of him i think to look at it from this angle And it's like, it's one thing, right? If you're watching a mystery, you expect a twist. And that's fine, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's another thing if you are not expecting a twist and the story does not indicate a twist to just be like, oh, you dummy. You looked at all these things I was writing and you thought I was being serious. (laughs) You're so fucking stupid. (laughs) I tricked you. And you're like, that's not a thing to trick me about. Yeah, that's so rude. You just want to feel better about yourself because your audience believed that you were not lying (laughs) right (laughs) but yeah i mean i i think this is fascinating i want to hear from more showrunners going forward as we we proceed and you know in this it's friggin 2022 at this point this is what i would hope the 
the viewpoint would be of a lot more people, but it's the first time I've really seen this perspective from a showrunner. I feel like I've seen people who are like, you know, excited about making queer media. Mm -hmm. I've seen people who are, you know, happy to have queer fans and not really invested either way in making queer media, but are sort of like, oh, this is fun, I guess. But it feels like this sort of affected him as a person thinking about he as someone who is, I think, presumably a a cisgendered straight white guy. Right. Based on what he said about generally seeing himself in stories. Yes. To really be like, you know what? People are having this emotional experience about it, and I'm not going to devalue that. Clearly, they're having an emotional experience for a reason, and I'm going to think about what that reason is and realize, like, it probably has profoundly affected me that I see people like me on screen all the time. Everything that I watch has a person like me in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's not true for everyone. That's not true for a lot of people. And this is cool. Everyone mm-hmm. should do more of this. It's really interesting too, right? Because it's very in line with the tone of the show of being like, oh, let me validate your emotions. It is. <laughs> Clearly this characterization of Steed is coming from somewhere. Yeah. But David Jenkins, fascinating. Yeah. It's also just interesting. It's a real rarity, I think, to hear creators use the word queer baiting and be talking about it in a not dismissive way. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is something we do not get a lot of. (laughs) Over the course of this show, we've encountered it maybe a couple of times. For sure. So, pretty fun. Great job, David Jenkins. Looking forward to season two. Mm -hmm. I am. We all need to find out if Lucius is still alive first and foremost. I gotta know what happens with Lucius. I was so sad when when Ed pushed him overboard. I was like, no! Not Lucius! (laughs) I mean, it was also very distressed when he marooned most of the crew on that island yeah they're they're gonna be okay steed found it did seem like they were about to eat each other yeah they have one of those sort of cartoon moments where one of them is taking a nap and he's laying on his side and another one of them seemingly sees him as like a turkey shape of a turkey but yeah i'm excited to see how things resolve with steed and ed like Mm -hmm. clearly ed has felt betrayed here that's gonna have to be addressed by steed steed was seemingly taken by surprise that he was in love with ed at all (laughs) so that's gonna have to be reckoned with and i think that ed is gonna feel real bad about trying to murder lucius yeah Yeah. and probably destroying all of steed's stuff well yeah but once he has steed back it's just stuff you know i guess i don't know i get sad anytime books get destroyed (laughs) yeah Steed's relationship with books is very interesting throughout, but they'll just, they'll go rob more people and steal their books like he was doing before. That's true. They did take a ship and they were cross-referencing which books they already had (laughs) to make sure they just didn't like double up. So Yeah, I love that. Well, because that's very early in their relationship. So Steed is there like, I'm taking books that I don't have and I'm putting books that I've already read back in their places. Like that's (laughs) the good way to do piracy. And and, Blackbeard's just there like, what is wrong with you? This is not how you be a pirate. It is how Steed is a pirate. Mm -hmm. He's a gentleman pirate. Yeah, he is. So those are our quotes from our creators. A very interesting collection. Now shall we move along to the literature? Yes. What are the fans doing? We know what the creators are doing. They're doing great stuff. What are the fans doing? Are they meeting them where they are? This ship exploded. Exploded, people. Like, this one is about to make a big showing on next year's, you know, top 100 ships of all time list. Like, they had a year. It was... Number five on the 2022 top 100 ships. They right now have a little more than 10,500 stories just in the Steed slash Ed mm-hmm. ship on AO3. I think they have almost 15,000 Our Flag Means Death stories. It came from nowhere and it had a big moment. I think as soon as it became clear to people that it was actually going to happen, it just went it crazy. Up. Yeah. It blew up. <laughs> yeah. So it will most likely be on the all-time list next year. Yeah. Which is great. after it came. Because as much as now we don't have any black people, at least we'll have an indigenous person. (laughs) It's horrible. It's so horrible. So we always read the most kudos fic in the ship. Mm -hmm. In this case, that is a fic called Close Quarters by 
Fortinbras FTW. For the win. (laughs) So this was a short one, Mm -hmm. less than 5,000 words, which is somewhat common. Most of the time, I think they're pretty short fix. It is explicit, Mm -hmm. which for the first season we were tracking, but I think we're doing less of now because our realization at the end of last year was... We're not collecting. I don't know that it really... know anything. Yeah, it doesn't seem to really mean anything whether or not a ship's most kudos fic is explicit or not or long or not or whatever. It's all just random noise. Yeah. So tell me about the fic, Close Quarters. So this seems to take place in like not the timeline of the show because it doesn't feel like they've confessed their love to each other and then this has happened, seems to like. Correct. This is... Yeah. Could have happened at any point over the season, I right. guess. So basically, they've gone to Nassau, and they're going to have some fun on the island. And so Steed is walking with Ed. Ed sees someone, and he's like, shit, we got to get out of here. And they start <laughs> running. It turns out that Ed has some gambling debts. But Steed pulls Ed into like a little shed off of the street that they're running down to get away from these people who are chasing them. They are then, you know, in close quarters ed is a little claustrophobic so steed tells him a story to to talk him down about his little kitchen garden which is very sweet and very steed and then they have a sexual encounter and it's pretty explicit from there and then they're like do you think anyone heard us and then he was like yeah people definitely heard yeah us we're totally screwed <laughs> i think that about tells it it's a not uncommon trope in both fanfic and regular fiction that people sort of get stuck hiding somewhere together and then things get a little spicy Mm -hmm. but yeah i thought it was the characterization was all right and i like steed's little story about his kitchen garden it's (laughs) quite sweet and i always like you know it's a vulnerable moment for ed that steed can help him with that's always nice so yeah it was a sweet little fic with i think like more than 17,000 likes. This yeah. one's seeing some action. We won't get into scholarly work, scholarly work, but there is a lot of writing on the internet about this show and how it has affected fans. There's a lot of interesting writing about the phenomenon of people who had been queer baited not being willing to buy into this show and yeah. what that means. So the exact thing that David Jenkins was talking about. So it did get, it was hugely popular, the show. People were talking about it and people were talking about that element of it, which I think is interesting because you could have had traditional media sort of address it as like, oh, it's just a show about gay pirates. I guess it's 2022 and that's what happens now. But instead, mm-hmm. people were out there saying like, there's this weird phenomenon where fans aren't sure if they could believe that they're gay pirates, even though it seems like they are. Yeah. Why is this happening? So that's pretty interesting to see all of that. Okay, so this has been a lovely time so far. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be controversy between the creators and the fans. The creators have an interesting and thoughtful perspective on their fandom and why they might react the way they do. The show is very lovely. Has there been any controversy around our flag means death? You know, there was this little bit of a sticking point Mm. where the show was hugely successful. Everybody's watching it. It's one of the top shows of the moment. I think immediately they're picking it up for a season two, right? Like it's a hugely popular show. They've clearly invested a lot in it. It's not a cheap show. They have Taika Waititi, who's one of the hottest people in Hollywood, locked down to star in a television show ongoing. (laughs) You think... Pickups are coming. Mm-hmm. You've got people online asking David Jenkins and Taika and Reese, are we doing season two? When's season two coming? And you've got your writers saying, God, I wish I knew. We all want to do season two. We have no pickup. I wish I could tell you. I have no more information than you do. Don't know what's happening here. And so we get this movement of fans, some some classic fan organization they start a Twitter campaign, mm-hmm. a hashtag renew our flag means death campaign, where that is where I think a lot of people probably would have seen some stuff on Twitter. It was everywhere. That hashtag with art and, you know, GIFs and all sorts of stuff. It was all over the place. And even more interestingly for us, some fans organized a traditional letter writing campaign. Yes. You told me this. And I said, actual letters? <laughs> Like, like yeah. they wrote them and put postage on them and mailed them? Yes. They were organizing. I think they were sending a lot of postcards, maybe not as many letter letters, but mm-hmm. they were physically mailing. You still need things. a stamp for that. Exactly. To HBO Max 
to say, I love this show. Please pick it up for season two. And so this was drawn out and drawn out. The last episode of the season aired on March 24th. There's all this mystery. How can this even be a question? They must be about to pick it up for season two. There was some internal drama happening at HBO Max at the time because all sorts of stuff was happening. Discovery bought, you know. It's the mess of Discovery Warner Brothers. All sorts of stuff was happening. So it was like, maybe this is the conflict. I'm really not sure. And then the funniest possible thing happened. June 1st rolls around. People might be aware that June is Pride Month here Mm. in the United States. June 1, the show gets picked up. (laughs) Thanks, HBO Max. Could it possibly be a stunt on the part of HBO Max? We'll never know. No, they didn't say. They didn't say in honor of Pride Month. Here you guys go. But you do sort of roll out. We're so happy to be picking up this show with our picture of these gay pirates on it. June 1st, as I'm sure they had their rainbow flag logo on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) What's going on? So that's a little silly. That is sort of the height of the drama around the show, though. Very happily, though, it was picked up. So we will get a season two. Apparently sometime in 2023. I cannot wait. Yeah, they started shooting it in September of 22. Because honestly, if the show had ended like that on that cliffhanger, unacceptable. I can't. I can't do that. (laughs) Absolutely. What's happening with their relationship? What's happening with Lucius? Like, we got a lot of unanswered questions. So we will be seeing again. Very exciting. Super cool show. Always fun to see gay pirates. I will Mm -hmm. say... Personally, you and I have been hoping for a gay pirate show for quite some time because in one of our many various Wikipedia deep dives, we came across the idea of these pirates who would enter into basically marriages with each other. Yeah. Like a contractual relationship with another pirate where if you died, then all your stuff would go to that pirate. And it just felt ripe for gay pirates, man. I mean, you know, they're out there. As we've also talked about before, it's a bunch of people who can't live in regular society for some reason. Something about regular society is not jiving with them. They need to get away. And what they have chosen is to go get away with a bunch of other men on an isolated ship. Yeah. It's sort of the same stuff people say about sailors, you know, in the Navy. In the Navy. (laughs) You can sail the seven seas. So yeah, looking forward to that. I guess we can check back in with our our flag meets death at some point. I don't know how and when we'll do that with our new schedule, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see if anything newsworthy, noteworthy happens around it. So this is when we would normally ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? It's queer canon. It's just straight up queer queer canon. canon. (laughs) Which is great. It's queer canon. I love it. This this question becomes interesting here. If you gender swap the characters, would they be a couple? Seems like no. Yeah. Seem kind of (laughs) gay. I mean, particularly Steve Mm -hmm. was married, ran away from that because it wasn't doing it for him. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a fun little twist. It is. But we don't have to do the why isn't it canon? Because it is canon. We don't have to do the how do we feel about the queer baiting on a scale of one to five? There is no queer baiting. Even though that is my favorite question of the show. It is a fun question. It's a zero. (laughs) There's no queer baiting. So here we are. So this was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. I feel good about this. This is an all happy all of the time episode of this podcast. Yeah, very unusual, but it's a delightful show. It's that sweet, sweet New Zealand humor you love. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, Taika and Reese have been working together for decades at this point. Their chemistry is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's clear as you're watching it that there are tons of unscripted moments because it's just their vibe. And honestly, all of the characters are great. We didn't mention They're most so of the characters, but all of the characters are fantastic. You know, I'm in love with Rory Kinnear as both the guy that Steed accidentally murders and who accidentally kills himself. He is phenomenal. Mother. Every episode that has some sort of new character in it, that character is played by a great comedian who you will recognize. The whole crew of the ship is fantastic. We didn't even really talk. We talked about Jim, but Jim's relationship with Alu is just yeah, like I love so Alu too. sweet. Oh my gosh. They are lovely. It's just, this show will fill you with joy. Yeah. If you for somehow missed it the first time around, go take a look because it is just a fun time. Mm-hmm. So to keep it rolling, what are we talking about next time? More gay pirates. More gay pirates. <laughs> 
you knew they had to be out there. These can't be the only gay pirates in the world. And they sure aren't. Mm -hmm. We are going to talk about an older show than this one, but which has had a resurgence, I think, in large part due to this show. A show called Black Sails. Yeah. Came out in what? The mid-O's on Stars? Was it that early? I can't remember. It is a star show from somewhere in the last decade to 15 years. <laughs> no, it's the mid-10s. It's 2014. The mid-10s. Okay. So it's not that old of a show, but it did sort of fly under the radar. And then now that there are all these other popular gay pirates, people are out there saying, you should check out the original gay pirates. And we will be seeing, interestingly, a lot of similar characters mm-hmm. because this is a show that is half characters that are real pirates yeah so you will again be seeing blackbeard and calico jack and all sorts of people that you've seen izzy hands is in it Mm -hmm. he's not called izzy in the black sail characterized a little differently though it's they're all characterized a little differently but gay pirates for the win keeping that rolling and that is going to transition us nicely Mm -hmm. into gay cowboys yes so next episode is black sails and then the episode after that we're going to do gay cowboys so you know we always ask for questions comments concerns we've gotten so many great suggestions over the course of this podcast from listeners but we want to make Mm -hmm. a specific call out if you know of any gay cowboys that we should be taking a look at probably movies but if there are shows that are somehow about gay cowboys let us know that we've never heard of that's fine too obviously they don't have to be explicitly gay right to give you an example we'll probably talk about butch cassidy and the sundance kid in that episode (laughs) so anything with some subtext a couple of characters with great chemistry and they're cowboys Mm -hmm. that's all we need that's all we need from you people but we're excited about that i think it's sort of a similar genre of traditionally very masculine characters a lot of, <laughs> uh, lot of in, toxic masculinity in the yep. cowboy community as well as well as the pirates but let's see if we can undercut it mm-hmm. with some interesting queer ships so please send us those ideas that'll obviously be out in four months yeah. so you've got a little bit of time to help us out in the meantime If you have comments, questions, concerns, anything that you want to say, if you want to just gush about our flag means death to us, honestly, we would be happy. Reach out to us at ltbkpod at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr at ltbkpod. If you are enjoying the podcast, give us a a subscription. (laughs) Subscribe. Don't give us a Uh, subscription. I I don't know what that means. But subscribe to the pod. Tell a friend. You know, give us a like. Review. The next episode will be out in March of 2023 with Black Sales, wherever you get your podcasts. 